Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about partnerships in ministry and concerns regarding people we agree with and disagree with. So hopefully that will uh, make some sense today. Before we jump into the content, I want to thank everyone who has been uh, a part of the PeaceWorks podcast and has been listening faithfully uh, here recently, has been tuning in. We're so thankful for you and appreciate your a partnership in this ministry. If you'd like to learn more or uh, engage a little further in the ministry here, let me encourage you to consider joining PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership site, and it's designed specifically with people helpers in mind. Uh, it has a monthly masterclass with experts in the field, monthly toolbox items that are practically uh, built for your ministry, a monthly Q&A with uh, just our members, as well as uh, different items just to help uh, make ministry and intervention and prevention a part of your ministry and your work in your local context. So I'd love for you to find out more about that. Uh, consider joining PeaceWorks University at chrismoles.org. All right, let's talk a little bit today about partnerships. And I bring this up because for me, partnering with others has been a huge part of my journey and my um, ministry when it comes to intervention and prevention in the area of domestic violence. I don't know uh, how I would have functioned if, if early on I had not had mentors and peers and people around me uh, that's going to, to help, it was going to help me develop as a facilitator uh, and as a, an advocate. So when we talk about partnerships and, and teaming up, you, you know, and you've heard me speak many times that the team-based approach is the approach that, that I promote, that we build uh, teams around ourselves, multiple players doing multiple roles. But one of the, one of the um, criticisms I've received lately or questions I've received lately is about the willingness to partner with those who are different than yourselves. And for me, it's never really been that big of an issue, but I, I've have been amazed, and it has um, it has drawn me into a place where I've had to evaluate because seemingly many people have been concerned. Uh, so I want to talk just a little bit about that, and hopefully add some clarity. It reminds me of a few years back I was teaching in another country and. I was talking about some different things that we were doing locally as kind of a, a segue or a setup for the material I was going to be delivering. And in passing, I mentioned that I had a healthy relationship with uh, the pastor of the local Nazarene church and that we had partnered on some things together and how much uh, Abe and I got along and uh, some of the ministry that we had done together. And like it really was just a basic uh, statement, just a very simple uh, statement made in passing, and yet the very first question 
uh, after the presentation was over, a, a pastor threw his hand up in the air and he said, Pastor Chris, how can you partner with someone who thinks so differently than you do? And what, what he meant was, how could I partner with a Nazarene pastor? It was kind of a shocking question to me because the answer was pretty simple. Well, Abe's my friend. And yes, he and I have some disagreements in some areas of theology. In particular, in particular, excuse me, our view of sanctification is a little different. So for me, the, the solution's fairly simple. When we did ministry together and work together, uh, we did not promote a, an aspect of sanctification. We focused on areas that we had commonality, working towards kingdom growth. The irony of that, or the, the area that was so interesting, was you know, Abe had unique gifts in the area of administration and evangelism, and so I would lean heavily on him to help me understand that. Well, I had some unique gifts in the area of counseling and discipleship, and I think that did have something to do with my view of sanctification, and so Abe would rely on me in those areas. And I guess I say all that to say, one of the things that you have to do, I believe, if you're going to be involved in domestic violence intervention and prevention, is to uh, partner with ministries and agencies and people that uh, are motivated and are pursuing the same goal in this area, even though they may differ from you slightly, theologically, or even philosophically. That's something that I think has hindered us in the ministry, but not us as PeaceWorks, but us as people helpers, is that we've been so keen on only associating with folks who are exactly like us, who believe exactly the same we, way we do, as opposed to partnering with individuals that are determined to see violence against women reduced. Now, granted, there's a few things that I would not do. For instance, um, I might share space with, say, secular feminists. I do that quite a bit. Individuals who are leading the charge in the culture, in the community, to see violence against women reduced. We may disagree wildly. Uh, politically, socially, philosophically. Uh, we may differ wildly, obviously, theologically, as so many of my friends in that area are more atheistic. That does not mean that I won't lock arms with them in a cause that um, reduces violence against women. I, I will. Does that mean I'll allow them to preach on my pulpit on Sunday? Well, of course not. That would be uh, That would be inappropriate and outside of that sphere or that sphere of acceptability. And we've had conversations about that in the past, uh, they and I. I think the same is true if you have slight theological differences. Now, granted, um, I, I think it's important that we have our doctrinal positions. I feel like I'm pretty secure in that. Like I, I feel like I'm pretty upfront as a pastor and a leader and a writer, what I believe about God, for instance, what I believe about Jesus, what I believe about the Bible, uh, that I'm really not, I can't think of a better word than, than insecure, but maybe there's another word to sum it up a little better, but I'm not really that insecure as to think my theology is going to be based on what people around me believe or state. And uh, I I think that's fine because in this work, this is what I'm encouraging you today to do, in this work, 
you will find yourself unified with people who may differ from you in some aspects of theology. And I'm saying, I think that's okay. I know that I'm going to lean towards some certain doctrinal positions. For instance, I'll give you a, a classic example for me, and that's the area of scriptural sufficiency. So I believe that the Bible is sufficient. I think when Paul, when Peter, excuse me, says in 2 Peter 1, 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, that he meant everything we need for life and godliness is found in the scripture. I, I really don't have to search outside of the scripture for instruction on how to live a life of godliness. Now, granted, I have many, many friends who do not hold to that position. We will disagree, and we have disagreed, usually in private, but we disagree on that. However, they are committed to ending violence against women. They are believers in Jesus, and I will I will stand with them, even though we will disagree on that point. Let me give you another area where of disagreement that some brothers and sisters and I have, and that's uh, the area of, excuse me, that's the area of uh, salvation, or I should say, whether or not somebody can lose their salvation. Uh, I have a pretty firm belief about that. I think the scripture teaches it very, very firmly about uh, the perseverance of the saints. But some of my friends do not. They have a differing view. And while we may disagree on that point, if Jesus is the main thing, we can function together to see violence against women ended. And so I can lock arms with, say, my Nazarene friends or my Pentecostal friends or my Free Will Baptist friends, and it not be an issue because uh, we're locking arms in unity towards the, the same goal. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I know it's been interesting to me that people are willing to separate over some aspects of theology. That's not just within the church, by the way. I'll give you an example uh, that this also happens in the secular environment. So sometimes I feel like I'm torn between two worlds. A few years ago, I was teaching at a primarily secular conference, and it was on faith uh, and faith-based integration. And I was the token conservative, and that's fine. I was the the one guy from the more uh, theologically conservative world. And there were a handful of people there that were very upset that I was there, that I was given a platform there because I hold to what's called complementarianism or a version of complementarity. And to them, that was something worth separating over, that it was inappropriate to have a complementarian on the stage because of how they saw complementarity affecting the work. And that's okay. They're allowed to have that that perspective. But see, it's not just Christians and conservative Christians that do that. We all kind of do that. We all kind of separate ourselves out. And what ends up happening is we fail to develop partnerships. And that's really the point of this week's podcast is to evaluate and really have a standard for how you're going to develop partnerships. So let me give you just a few things to consider when you're doing ministry. Uh, in the area of partnerships. The first is this. What is the goal of the ministry? What is the goal of the ministry? And uh, in certain aspects of ministry, you want to preserve uh, a theological base. Like you want to have a very tight rein on that, such as what's presented in the pulpit. It would be inappropriate to 
to preach and teach and disciple, being in disciple-making ministry, uh, with such theological diversity that there was no orthodoxy, right? That there was an unorthodox approach. So what is the purpose of the ministry? Is it to equip the saints? Is it to develop the church? Is it an Ephesians 4 type of ministry? Then, yes, you know, you will need to have a level of theological consistency. You will need to have an umbrella, as it were, or a foundation or a base to that. And I'm a big believer in that. I think sometimes um, we will get accused of, of having too broad of a base. But that's because when the ministry is um, pertaining to something that's maybe not salvific or is um, issue-based or problem-based, then those are the type of questions you should focus on, right? So that if we're talking about developing a shelter in our community for women who are affected by domestic violence, or if we're talking about uh, promoting foster care among our community, or we're talking about developing a community center for at-risk youth, then is it worth having a conversation with our brothers and sisters who may be slightly different from us in certain theological areas? And for me, I think the answer is yes. And so when it comes to ministry, that's not disciple-making ministry, but it's ministry that is um, designed to meet a need to help, and it's from a position of maintaining Jesus as the main thing and Jesus as the centerpiece, that I will lock arms with other people, and, and I'll be very happy to do so. So when you're thinking about building partnerships, at least from my perspective, the first question I'm asking you know, is what is the purpose, what is the goal of the ministry? And then secondly, what is the reputation of this group or what is the reputation of this ministry? And what I mean by that is you know, not necessarily what do other people think about their beliefs, but what is their reputation as far as the area of service. And the example would be, you know, do they have uh, a history of violating women or violating children? Then they may not be a ministry that you partner with for, um, for direct intervention. They may be a ministry you partner with for education, right? So I may lock arms with them for the purpose of educating them of helping them build new systems, build new processes, but perhaps not for the, the work that is central to, to ending violence against women, if that, makes, if that makes sense. So what is their reputation? And then uh, second to that, um, what is their agenda? Meaning, what is it that they want to see happen? So let's go back to the, build, to the creating a shelter. You know, we're going to create a shelter. We're going to, you know, work together with this particular group. Uh, are they willing to share space? Are they willing to come to the table and share ideas? Uh, or do they have a reputation of taking things over, of using people? And if that's the case, we, we probably would want to step away. But partnerships to that point are essential. Uh, to do work, especially in this work, guys, because in this particular work, you're going to have to partner with folks that may be different from you. And that's OK. And, and that's the thing that, that I would like to reiterate, that just because you 
create partnerships and you work alongside others does not necessarily mean that you have to compromise your beliefs or your integrity to do so. So uh, let me encourage you, if you're getting into this work, don't do it alone, right? If, um, if your network of churches, for instance, and, and I know this has been the case for me, you know, if your network of churches, for instance, is not interested in, uh, in this yet, then perhaps there's a, a, another network of believers that's already at work that you can lock arms with. That uh, doctrinally and theologically, you're close enough, right? You're, you're close enough to do good work. That doesn't mean you have to shift your theology. doesn't mean you have to uh, abandon what you believe. You can be very firm and resolute in that. And here's what I've found. If that group of believers is as determined and as committed to the cause as you are, and in this case, it's violence against women, then they will allow you and give you space to be theologically different. They will listen, and you can be a voice of hope and influence to them as well. So why do I bring this up? Why do we talk in this episode about partnerships? It's not just one singular conversation that brings this up, so so please hear me on that. But it is a series of conversations of of well-meaning folks who, on one hand, who want to make sure I'm okay because I partner with a multiplicity of people. On the other hand, it's folks who are very deterministic that we have to maintain these silos of belief. And from my perspective, I would love for you, the podcast listener, to hear me say this. Um, we will remain committed to our theology. We'll remain committed to our cause. We'll re- remain committed to having Jesus be the main thing. We will get things wrong. We will never be 100% in line with everybody, but we will share space as much as is humanly possible. We will share space because it's in shared space that people are introduced to the fullness of Jesus Christ. It's in shared space that people are ministered to most effectively. If we continue to practice division after division after division after division, then who will we have left to minister to and minister with? When you have an issue as significant as domestic abuse, um, that commonality in and of itself uh, is enough to see uh, change happen. I've seen it. But when you combine that with people who love Jesus, even if they are slightly different than us theologically, but they love Jesus, then you have the transformative potential, the real potential to see lives transformed. And yes, we will continue to have those theological conversations off to the side. We will continue to try to convert each other to the nuances that we see in the scripture, knowing full well that when if Jesus is their savior, right? And they've been saved by grace through faith that uh, these arguments will be temporal. And one day we will know completely when we share space together, not down here, but up there. So my prayer is that you will embrace the need and the willingness to engage in partnerships and uh, not allow fear to keep you from moving forward in ending violence against women or seeing its reduction in your community, even if that means you lock arms with somebody who is slightly different, but committed, right, to the cause of reducing violence and committed uh, to the gospel. 
Appreciate you guys. Thank you all for listening to the PeaceWorks podcast today. Again, if you'd like more information about what we're doing at PeaceWorks, head on over to chrismoles.org and find out more about the blog and the resources, and in particular, PeaceWorks University. Until next time, God bless.